The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSIN, the sports betting network. Alrighty, welcome to it, ladies and gentlemen. A Thursday edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers is underway. I'm Danny Burke, your host, and we are live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook just outside of Chicago in Des Plaines, Illinois. And man, oh man, it's been a busy day here in the Windy City. Bears named their new head coach, Matt Eberflus. They got Ryan Poles as their GM. What will they do next for the offensive coordinator position? A lot to talk about in terms of that, but if you want more of it, as we always say, check out the CityCast. I host the Chicago one. But not only is there some coaching vacancies that have been filled or looking to be filled in Chicago, we've got some interest out in Denver, and momentarily we'll be welcoming on Ryan O'Halloran. It's a Broncos beat writer for the Denver Post, so we'll get his thoughts on the Nathaniel Hackett hire, maybe some interest that could attract to Mr. Aaron Rodgers, and furthermore into the Broncos season, some other head coaching speculation. So that'll be momentarily Later in the show, what we got lined up, how about Ryan Rothstein, host of the Philadelphia CityCast in a big game out in Philly to look forward to tonight. The Lakers on the road taking on the Sixers. Embiid, the MVP hopeful, can he withstand this Lakers crew that is slowly kind of getting up under their feet. So we'll talk about that in 15 minutes with Ryan. Half hour from now, like I said, we'll be doing my better half. But tonight specifically, we'll focus on the AFC matchup with the Chiefs and the Bengals, see if there's anything that sticks out in that realm of betting within the first half. End of the show, how about the college basketball guru himself, Greg Hoops Peterson, bets literally every single college basketball game, and I'm excited to see which ones he's got dialed up for this evening. But like we said, let's go ahead and start with the NFL and all the coaching carousel nonsense. Let's bring on Ryan O'Halloran, who you can follow on Twitter at Ryan O'Halloran. And Ryan, thank you for making some time tonight. I know you're extremely busy right now, waiting to hear all the scoops and whatnot and trying to digest what happened for the Broncos. So I guess we'll start off with your initial reaction to Denver acquiring Nathaniel Hackett. What did you think about it and how do you think that will impact the squad? Well, good to join you tonight. And, uh, you know, thankfully this coaching search is over on the 20th day. And the only part that surprised me a little bit is how fast it moved from this time yesterday to about 5 a.m. Mountain Time this morning. And the Broncos appeared to be content to wait to talk to Kevin O'Connell, the Rams offensive coordinator, on Monday or Tuesday. But then Nathaniel Hackett got a request to talk to the Jaguars again. That put the wheels in motion. The Broncos wanted Hackett, Hackett wanted the Broncos. So they got a four-year deal done. 
Uh, I thought at the beginning of this process, it would come down to Hackett or Dan Quinn. And I thought Hack would be the best fit because he comes from an offensive background, has called the plays. And really, that's what this team needs. They have been in a half-decade slump offensively. So I think the hire does make sense. Yeah, and what would you say the pulse of the fan base is? Because I think we're in a similar type of spot here in Chicago where Dan Quinn was right up there. And yesterday, like last night, I was pretty sold on that. It was going to be Dan Quinn. I wasn't too content with it, and it didn't end up coming to fruition. It looked like for Quinn, he either wanted to be with the Bears or the Broncos, and now since he didn't get both, he's going back to the Cowboys. But do you think the fan base overall consensus is pretty content with the offensive mindset going into the head coaching position? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and, and it's because it's an offensive head coach. The last two have been Vic Fangio defense, Vance Joseph defense, you know, uh, John Fox defense, you know, Gary Kubiak was offense when they won their last Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, I've gotten, you know, the response I've gotten about Hackett is overwhelmingly positive for that very reason. And it's about quarterback play. It's about scoring points. You know, the Dan Quinn thing would, 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 it would have just looked like they're trying for a stand up double in baseball terms, where this is a much bigger swing. It's a much bigger gamble, but it must, it may have a much higher uh, reward. Absolutely. And one of those rewards could be acquiring the Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. He, you know, made a comment and I'm paraphrasing basically wherever Hackett goes, I'd like to be there or something in that realm of saying that. And then who knows, maybe Devontae Adams could follow along with him. Is this just kind of being way too overexcited about Hackett coming to the Broncos? Or do you think there's actually some validity that Rodgers could be a Bronco this upcoming season? Well, I, I think there would have been validity to Rodgers being a Bronco, regardless of who the coach was. And if you're George Payton, the GM, you make the hire of Nathaniel Hackett with a couple of things in mind. The Rodgers part, it'd be foolish not to say there's not a connection there uh, because Hackett and Rodgers had a very good working relationship for three years. But if you acquire Aaron Rodgers, he's age 38. It's a short-term marriage. So I think they they were impressed by Nathaniel Hackett's ability to develop quarterbacks at his previous stops. So when they transition from a veteran, let's say it's Rodgers, to a younger guy, he'll be able to, to manage and still win games that way. But, um, you know, I don't think they have, I don't think they have cap room for Rodgers and Adams, but they definitely have cap space for Rodgers. And how hard do you think they're going to pursue that? I mean, look, the quarterback situation, I'd say with Denver, obviously you could speak more to it. It's okay, but it's definitely not going to have you compete with the rest of the division that is so stacked as of this moment. So uh, are you thinking that, because like you said, I mean, you hire him with the intention of maybe going in that route and then developing quarterbacks after, is this kind of an all in thing from Denver? Yeah, they're going big game hunting at the quarterback position. And if it's Aaron Rodgers, if Russell Wilson becomes available, uh, I think they're in that hunt. Uh, and because they, they've tried the retread route, they've tried the journeyman route, uh, they tried the second round pick route. It just hasn't worked. And I would say their quarterback play has been less than okay. And in this division, you need to have some firepower with Herbert, Mahomes, and Carr. They haven't been able to match that at all. They went one and five in the division this year. So, um, you know, the thing about Rodgers is, you know, what teams would be willing to pay the price in terms of draft picks and players pay the price in terms of the salary and which would include likely a contract extension to help you manage the cap. Uh, I think the Broncos would top that list uh, because they have the uh, wherewithal in terms of resources and money to make that happen. 
Now, around the rest of the league, and also kind of a correlation with the Denver Broncos, Vic Fangio's been rumored to be tied with Jacksonville, probably not more so for the head coaching spot, but to be D.C. Uh, have you heard anything involving Fangio or just Jacksonville in general? Um, start with Vic. Um, you know, uh, he'll have multiple suitors for a defensive coordinator post. Once these jobs start getting filled, you know, once teams maybe say, hey, the guy we have, isn't going to help us to the next level. Vic Fangio could. So I think he'll have his choice of jobs. Um, as far as Jacksonville goes, being familiar with that market, being my previous stop, they're chasing their tails right now. Um, it, they're a laughing stock. Um, they're, they're not being transparent in what they're, you know, who they're even interviewing. They're the only team in the league that doesn't announce that to me, that means that, you, that to me, that means you have no confidence in your plan. And that starts with Trent Balky, the general manager, people, who should have had interest in coaching Trevor Lawrence have not had interest because of the general manager in place. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that, too. They're the only account not to be tweeting out who they're interviewing. Probably not what you want to see. A lack of transparency out of Jacksonville, a team that's been a mess for a while, and especially coming off the Urban Meyer debacle. But uh, we'll see what kind of unfolds down there in Jacksonville. And, hey, Ryan, like I said, I know you're really busy. I got to leave you with one more question. Since you are very familiar in the AFC West, Kansas City big game coming on Sunday. They're over a touchdown favorite, minus 7.5, high total 54.5. You've seen Joe Burrow play. You've seen what the Bengals can do. But is this a game in your mind where it's Patrick Mahomes or nothing? Yeah, it, seven. it's like that half point. You, you know what they're doing there. If it was seven, I'd say, hey, I, I do think the Chiefs are going to cover that because I think they're going to pull away late. Uh, it'll be close for a while. But the reason, the reason I'll pick the Chiefs to cover is Cincinnati won last week despite getting sacked nine times. I don't think their projection is going to hold up. So I think the chiefs are going to be able to create at least one or two short fields where they'll be able to pull away late. I'm going to pick the, uh, I'll pick the over. Cause I have maybe like a uh, 36 to 22 type game. I like it. Ryan O'Halloran folks at Ryan O'Halloran on the tweets. He'll keep you updated with coaching news all around the league, specifically for the Broncos. And us Bears fans are hoping you keep taking pieces away from that Packers team ride. So we'll look forward to your coverage. Thank you again for making some time tonight. All right. Take care now. Thank you. You bet. There he is. Once again, at Ryan O'Halloran on the tweets. He'll get you squared away. Everything Denver, a lot could be moving around in the Mile High City. And even if you're looking offshore, I mean, some of these short odds have seen Aaron Rodgers going to Denver could be a likely scenario. Look, from my personal standpoint, this could be me as a Bears fan wanting him to get out of here. Look, I respect the guy. You know, I, I don't hate him from a playing standpoint as a Bears fan. I know you have to hate him, but truthfully, if I'm being objective, I respect the hell out of him as a player. And I honestly think he's not going to be a Packer next season. Does that mean he's going to retire? Who knows? Does that mean he's going to go to a team like Pittsburgh? Well, then you have to ponder how tough the AFC is in general because, well, you've got Justin Herbert, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Josh Allen, you got Lamar Jackson. And it's going to be incredibly tough if you do go into the Broncos division. There's no doubting that. But you are going with Hackett, and who knows? Maybe he does like the weapons surrounding him. So that could be the case. But also in the NFC, maybe back to his hometown, San Francisco, 49ers. Jimmy G, you part ways with him. You bring in Aaron Rodgers to his warm weather that he likes. And the West Coast, always kind of a Hollywood guy wanting to do acting. And then maybe he can end his career there with great schematics out of Kyle Shanahan. And then they'll be happy with that because, look, 
They've got some pieces to depart with, and they got a quarterback they want to develop in Trey Lance, kind of like what Brett Favre did to Aaron Rodgers, and then maybe Aaron Rodgers could pass that on to Trey Lance. So another team that could be in the mix. But the nice thing is Aaron Rodgers said he's not going to make everybody hold out, so we'll see what actually comes to fruition. But uh, like I was saying, it will be nice for all of us Bears fans here in the Midwest if the Packers kind of take an opposite turn and then they're stuck with Jordan Love. No offense to the kid, but he ain't no Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre, so it could be a sigh of relief for everybody here in the NFC North. Coming up next, we're going to be going out to Philly. Ryan Rothstein will be joining us to preview the Sixers and Lakers matchup this evening. And, of course, he's got some thoughts and some bets for this Sunday's championship slate. So stick around. Ryan Rothstein joining us right here on Rush Hour. It is Visa. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. And you've got these city casts available in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. So subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get them available and you get hooked up several episodes a week. Great local sports betting content. And speaking of CityCast, joining us now on Rush Hour is the host of the Philadelphia CityCast, who you can follow on Twitter, at WiseRye, and that would be one Ryan Rothstein, who's looking forward to a big basketball game tonight, or maybe it's kind of a medium-sized basketball game now that we know that LeBron James is not going to be playing in this game. Kind of a bummer. You want to see the best versus the best, Ryan, but it is what it is. The line was like two and a half earlier, and now at Bet Rivers, this thing is five and a half in favor of your 76ers. Total at 216 and a half. What was your handicapping for this before the news, and how would you approach it now that the lines have altered? Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of a catch-22. If, if you got the 76ers earlier, as you mentioned, Danny, then you're sitting pretty because you're under the assumption, all right, we're going to see we're going to see a star-studded matchup here tonight. Westbrook coming into town, AD, LeBron, and the rest of the crew going up against the MVP of the NBA, but now it's just reported about eight minutes ago, right before I jump on with you, no King. So I'm going to call him the Joker. Uh, the Joker is out tonight, which is a little bit of a bummer from just a measuring stick 
standpoint for the 76ers. And you just want to see your best going up against the best, but not the case. So if you got the 76ers earlier, I think you're sitting in a good spot. Now, as we mentioned, up to five and a half, the total has been bumped down a point. Uh, and I'm going to focus there because earlier I'd like the over at 217. Now we're getting it at 216. So fire away on the over if you haven't already. These are two teams, Danny. The 76ers are fourth in the NBA in free throw attempt rate. The Lakers are top 10. So they're going to get to the foul line. Joel Embiid is leading that charge for Philadelphia. Uh, I, I like the over in this matchup that's going to be on national TV. I expect the 76ers role players, fingers crossed, to step up and actually do something rare and help out Joel Embiid. Yeah, and a lot of times people tend to overreact when a star goes out, and granted, I get it. It's kind of an exception when it's LeBron James, but a lot of times it's one of those fallacies where the star goes out, the team does well, or in the case of a total, right? I mean, even though you're not getting the best number, it still could soar over. So I wouldn't overreact too much, but you're right. Kind of a bummer that we're not seeing LeBron against Embiid, but nevertheless could be more favorable for your Sixers to get the dub. And speaking of your Sixers, Ryan, I mean, what's interesting now to really get into the thick of it is these player awards and specifically with MVP where Joel Embiid is making some headway. And, you know, I'm a little salty. I can't be too mad, though. I, I had him last season before he became the outright favorite. And then, of course, the injuries occurred. Nothing he can do about that. And now he's coming back with some vengeance. And he's 3-1, to one, but ahead of him at Bet Rivers, they got Giannis at plus 250, Behind Embiid, Steph Curry's plus 350, Jokic plus 450. Then the next closest is John Moran at 14 to 1. I like your boy a lot once again. I might be falling into the trap of last season, but to me, I think the play here is Embiid. Are you on the same play here, or are you looking maybe in a different direction? I think we missed the boat, Danny. We missed the boat, and, and he is my guy as much as anyone. Uh, love Hans Embiid, do a 180 Embiid, uh, trust the process Embiid. He's the best. Philly loves him. I love him. Uh, you know, I remember mentioning with you maybe four or five weeks ago when he was upwards of 40 to one. That's yep. where I absolutely love this play. Now he's three to one. He's right up there with Giannis and Steph Curry, I believe is plus 350. All the players that you just mentioned, you're not getting any value. And people here in Philadelphia, we know as, as well as anyone, this guy doesn't stay healthy. He misses games. Listen, the Sixers are 28 and 19. That's good for sixth in the NBA. That's 47 games played. Joel has already missed 11 of them. The most games Joel has played in his entire career is 64 three years ago. The last two seasons, he's played 51. So history will tell you, Danny, Joel Embiid is most likely going to miss some more time. And if he does that, if he gets to 20 games missed, I don't know how he gets this award and they're in sixth place. So he needs to stay healthy, which unfortunately he's never done in his career. And they need to figure out a way to get up in the standings when it's all said and done in the Eastern conference. Both of those things, unfortunately, are stacked against him as well as he's been playing right now. This run is historic. He's breaking Wilt Chamberlain season records for Philadelphia, Allen Iverson season records for Philadelphia. So if he keeps this pace, he has a chance. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. You just look at the trends with his career, and that's kind of the fault of backing Embiid. I mean, he's so great, but you're watching with a little bit of hesitancy because you're like, oh, every single time he comes down, you're like, be careful, be careful. 
You're right, and especially at these odds, maybe not the most profitable venture to make as at this point. So with that being said then, Ryan, I mean, is there anybody else you would really hone in on to bet? Or is it one of those things that now that we have progressed further throughout the season, you've really lost value on the top guys? Yeah, I think right now, listen, there's still plenty of season ahead of us, uh, but there's no value. I, I think last month, Joel Embiid, I started to see this type of play. I, I certainly wouldn't have predicted this, but here we are. He's kept up this production. Then you have Steph Curry, who I still think is, you know, the voters are waiting to give him this award. He's still right there. There's no value with him. I like Morant. I love Morant, uh, but I still don't love his value right now. So at this point, it, it's a weird wait and see type of spot with still a lot of games ahead of us. But I just don't see anyone on the board that's further out from the top five right now at Bet Rivers for the top five odds on favorites that I'm going to say, yeah, you know what? I really like this price. I really like his chances. Both of those things just aren't aren't adding up for me right now to, to make a play on anything. All right, well, let's see if you like some prices in football for this weekend, my man, Ryan. We've got some exciting plays to look forward to on Sunday. How about we start with Kansas City and Cincinnati, Ryan? This line's been at seven, and everybody I talked to is like, if you like Kansas City, get in on it now because it's probably going to go to seven and a half. Lo and behold, at Bet Rivers, Kansas City now seven and a half point favorites. Large total at 54 with the hook. Uh, have you made any plays in this game? If not, are you looking forward to what is your analysis for this AFC showdown? So I already submitted one play and it's the under 54 and a half. Now, one of my episodes earlier this week, I did a crossover with Will Hill, host of the New York City cast. And when I said under 54 and a half, he said, can you set up a Ryan cam in your living room? Because I would just love to watch you squirm watching Patrick Mahomes and rooting for an under. So it's a bold, it's a bold strategy by me. Uh, but I, I like 54 and a half under it's a lot of points, Danny. And, and you know, I can still see a 28, 20 type of game, 28, 21 type of game, decent amount of points being scored on both sides. I still see a lot of different paths to the under here. And I think me and you are starting at like left tackle and left guard for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it is an absolute miracle that these guys have gotten as far as they have give Joe Burrow even more credit than we already will because they, he has no one blocking for him. They got to him. What was it? Nine times. And they still end up advancing. I don't think that's going to be the case again, uh, going up against Kansas city in a hostile environment. If I have to give you a play against the spread real quick, Seven, seven and a half. That's where it's been bouncing back and forth from. I see the Chiefs advancing, but I don't know if I'm confident enough laying that number. Uh, it's just a little too much for me. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I was kind of hoping I could get confidence in this NFC matchup to like pair a teaser with the Chiefs or something, but I really haven't gotten there. And honestly, I'm leaning a little bit more toward the Rams, but I, I've been pretty brutal with my Rams picks. This line is at three and a half, Ryan, total down to 46. This is a game I actually like the under. We got about 45 seconds or so, but uh, what do you think for this game then? I also like the under in this game, so I'm, I'm going two unders uh, for championship weekend. I'm also leaning with the San Francisco 49ers. Listen, Garoppolo has not impressed any of us, but the dude's a winner and he has talent uh, in bunches all over the field around him. Uh, and I give the coaching edge at uh, two great coaching matchups uh, in, 
or two head to head, I should say for this game. But I, I love Shanahan. I love the weapons. I think they can do enough to cover three in the hook uh, with a lean towards the under. I'm with you. I mean, look, this one's so tough to me, Ryan, because I'm just like the 49ers, if they I do know. end up covering or winning, it's like, yeah, they showed us that they just dominate the Rams at this like all the time, these two games this season. And then if the Rams win, it's like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good enough, presumably. So it's tough. I don't know. But uh, all I'll say is Godspeed to you sweating out two unders. I'm not saying I disagree with you, but to actually go through with it, like Will was saying, maybe we have to get that live shot of you on Sunday. But uh, best of luck with those, buddy. And uh, we'll look forward to talking afterward. Danny, I appreciate it. As always, my friend, thank you. You got it. Ryan Rothstein, you can follow him on Twitter, at WiseRyan, host of the Philadelphia City Cast, available wherever you get your podcast coming up next more nfl action how about my better half for the chiefs and the Bengals? my thoughts coming up next this is rush hour on vsin the sports betting network It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VEASAN is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on championship weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free, that's right, free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so go ahead, make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after all of the action on VSIN.com. Welcome back to VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host, and the program is Rush Hour, and it is time to expand further for this first game on the Sunday NFL Slate AFC Championship. But instead of looking at the full game, which we have done a lot, let's look at some other betting angles, specifically in the beginning stages of the game. You know where we're going. It is time for my better half here on Rush Hour. What are those first half betting lines looking like? In Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, Chiefs and Bengals. Well, it's a big spread, or at least big enough, to where I don't think we really need to acknowledge a money line. So let's go ahead and skip to the spread for this affair. Four and a half is the number posted at Bet Rivers. If you want to take four in the hook with Cincinnati, the juice is about minus a buck twenty. And if you want to lay it with Kansas City, well, it is even money. So, like I always enjoy doing, I apply the current spread for this upcoming game and put it back to every pass game they've played. So, for example, if the Chiefs were laying four and a half in every single first half, they would have an ATS record of nine and ten. Now, if Cincinnati was catching four in the hook in every single first half, they would be 12 and seven against the spread. But even though Cincinnati won that first game against Kansas City, the Chiefs were actually leading at the half, right? I mean, they were up 28 to 17. Cincinnati just had a tremendous comeback. They limited the Chiefs to just three second half points. But do you trust this offense enough to cover the four and a half? Do you think Joe Burrow can produce enough? Do you think the offensive line can protect him enough? I don't know. I, I'm not too interested in this spread. But again, I, I think it's got to be Chiefs or nothing. I really don't trust the upfront for Joe Burrow to have him compete enough with Patrick Mahomes. But let's look at the total points in this game or in the first half, excuse me, 27 and a half is this number. And my goodness, that is tremendously high, but it's expected. I mean, right, you got a high total of 54 and a half for the full game, but the first half is always a different beast. And with 27 and a half, you would think, man, I mean, yeah, 
even if you kind of like the under for the full game, you, you, you expect there to be scoring. But in the first half, you think they could get 28 points? Well, the under, it's shaded that way, minus 121. In the over, you're getting about even money. Kansas City's gone over 27.5 first half points in eight out of 19 contests thus far. So 8-11 and 11 is their record. Um, in the postseason thus far, they did get 28 total points versus Pittsburgh. And then against Buffalo, it was 14-14 going in the second half. So they have gone over it twice, all right? The consistency has been there in the postseason. Cincinnati's record, also 8-11 if the first half total was 27 and a half. Now, uh, when they met, remember the score 28 to 17. So obviously they cruised over this in that first game, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this, this game is going to be the same. It's not going to be replicated, I wouldn't imagine. And I've shared my thoughts on this. We were just talking with Ryan Rothstein about this. Look, we know Kansas City is going to score a lot. And with their team total at about 30 and a half, I don't hate the idea of betting that over. But like I was saying the other night, I mean, I like Cincinnati's team total under. And 23 and a half is a number. I'm actually hoping this total keeps going up so I could get like 24 or 24 and a half and bet the under for the Bengals. But as of now, it's at 23 in the hook. And again, I don't really see them getting over 20 points, 21 maybe max. So again, ask yourself, do you think the Bengals can keep up with Kansas City? My answer is no. So I would tend to lean to the under for this first half total points of 27 and a half. Now, again, the Chiefs are a different story. So what about their individual total for the first half? 16 and a half is the number for Kansas City, odds courtesy of Bet Rivers. The juice is shaded to the under, minus 118. Over 16 and a half is minus 110. Now, Kansas City has only scored 17 or more first half points in seven out of 19 games this season. They do average 15.7 first half points per game overall this year, which is second best in the NFL. But Cincinnati does limit their opponents to 12 first half points per game. When you look at a number like 16 and a half, you realize that that's somewhat of a sizable discrepancy. But Cincinnati allowing 12 first half points per game actually ranks 23rd in the National Football League. And oddly enough, we've talked about the discrepancies in terms of the home and road splits for the Bengals they're allowing 16 first half points per game at home, but just 7.4 on the road. I mean, it kind of goes more into context about their opponents and the home and road splits, but still interesting to kind of throw out there. Now, Cincinnati has only had four opponents score 17 or more points in the first half against them this season. Kansas City being one of them when they got 28. Cleveland got 24 toward the beginning of the season. And the Chargers also got 24. And then the 49ers dropped 17 on the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, I'm not really going to touch this one one way or the other because either result's not going to shock me. Like I said, if I'm doing anything with Kansas City, I think I would prefer to do the full game over 30 and a half points as opposed to the first half at 16 and a half because realistically, if the numbers, you know, at 16 and a half and their total points for the game is at 30 and a half, you think it would be around that 15 point margin, right? So why not give yourself a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt, just a little bit better advantage and two more quarters at that and just do the Chiefs over 30 and a half full total points for the game as opposed to the first half at 16 and a half. That would be the way I would approach it with Kansas City's individual total points. But I definitely have some more or some stronger, I guess, interest in Cincinnati's first half total points. Again, I already told you I like it under 23 and a half for the full game, but I really want to get that 24. I want to get that 24 in the hook. And they're not giving it to me 
So maybe I'll end up jumping in on Cincinnati's first half total points under 10 in the hook. Now, the under is shaded that way, minus 121. But they've only gone over it in 10 out of 19 games. And they did score 17 at home versus Kansas City earlier this season. But overall, you know, Kansas City's defense, not terrible at home at least. Overall, they're allowing opponents 11.7 first half points per game, which ranks 20th in the National Football League. But at home specifically, they're limiting opponents to nine first half points per game compared to 15.3 on the road. So the home and road splits, very apparent that there is a beneficial side for one versus the other for Kansas City. And the Chiefs have allowed 11 out of 19 opponents over this mark of 10 and a half. But you also have to remember how bad Kansas City's defense was to begin the year and how they've progressed toward the latter half and into the postseason. Now, speaking of these splits, I already kind of said like Cincinnati's oddly performs a little bit better on the road. But if you look deeper into it for the first half specifically, Bengals on the road have stayed under 10 and a half team total first half points in six out of nine games. The Chiefs at home have held opponents under this mark of 10 and a half first half points in seven out of 11 games. And the Bills accounted for two out of the four of those overs against Kansas City. And then the other two was Cleveland in week one and then the Chargers in week three. So I really like this Bengals angle of going under 10 and a half first half points. Again, I'm going to wait to see if this total keeps ticking up. But strong feelings and conviction for the Bengals under 10 and a half first half points against the Chiefs. Now, really quick, one more angle I want to approach, and it's kind of going off the back of what we talked about last night with all these kicking props. We talked about the full game and the individual kickers kicking points. They're offering you the total successful field goals by the indiv uh, individual teams in the first half as well. So for the Bengals, you can bet over a half field goal if they're going to make one field goal or not, and the over is minus 159. The under is plus 122 for McPherson. Look, he's a stud. He's done great. He had two field goals in the first half versus Tennessee and two field goals made in the first half against the Raiders, being the two postseason games that he's been involved with. And look, instead of going through all the stats of what he's done this season in the first half, making field goals and how many opponents have made them against Kansas City in the first half, I think you just got to look at it from a logistical approach of how do you think the motion of this game is going to go. How is the narrative going to really ride out here? And to me, Kansas City is going to have probably a comfortable lead or at least somewhat of a lead for a majority of this game. And if you're Cincinnati with a bad offensive line, if you're lucky enough to make it into Kansas City's part of the field, well, at least in the first stages of the game, you're not going to be as aggressive, meaning going for it on fourth down, fourth and short, whatever it may be. You're probably okay settling for a field goal or two in the first half before the game gets way out of hand and Kansas City inevitably takes a big jump. In the second half, when you get those fourth downs and field goal territory to where they would probably normally settle for it, they're going to have to be aggressive. It's do or die. They're going to have to keep up and try to score touchdowns. So looking at the first half field goal angle for McPherson and just the Bengals in general over a half, I think is actually a viable option. Of course, it's not attractive to lay upward of minus 160 virtually, but if you feel comfortable doing it, I imagine the Bengals can at least tack on a field goal in the first half. Because again, 
Kansas City's defense should be able to penetrate Joe Burrow because of how bad that offensive line is, but Joe Burrow's good enough to still move the ball down the field, and the red zone defense can shine well enough for Kansas City, so they won't be as aggressive in the first half, more prone to settling for a field goal. Maybe consider the Bengals over a half field goal in the first half, as well as their team total under 10.5 against the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Enough NFL for this show. We'll do plenty more tomorrow, don't worry. But coming up next, finishing up Rush Hour with some college basketball, Greg Hoops-Peterson joining us. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Rush Hour on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Bet River Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combo. So download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combination. Must be 21, gambling problem. Oh, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. I will call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Playable in New Jersey as play Sugar House. Void where prohibited. Okay, it is time to talk some hoops here as we round out a Thursday edition of Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Again, I'm Danny Burke, your host. We are live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. A nice crowd right now here in the book, uh, waiting to see the results of this Nebraska Wisconsin game. I know Greg's sweating out his Wisconsin tickets, so hopefully that comes home for our guy. But, Greg, we got a lot of other action to look forward to tonight. Let's start out with this Colorado and Washington game. I want to start out a little Pac-12 first, then we'll work our way back into the Big Ten. But what did you have going down for this matchup later tonight? Well, we're now doing some write-ups daily over there at DK Nation, a part of DraftKings. And I wound up going with the over in this spot. I wound up saying my total more around a 143 and a half. And as I'm scouring the market, you're finding it anywhere between a 134 and a half. Tip the market is a 135 and a half. Got a Washington team that they rank in the top 50 with regards to possessions per game. And then on top of that, this is a Washington team that they've actually allowed more points on a per possession basis at home than on the road. 
we wound up seeing these two teams playing against one another. That final total wound up reaching 142. And in that game, Washington only shot 36% from floor. Got a 20-point score in Terrell Brown. Was able to do a good job for Washington. Colorado, they've been picking up some steam recently. You saw them get that road win against Oregon. They put up north of 80 points in that game. Colorado has been shooting 37% from three-point range in the in the Pac-12. So, I think that this is way too low of a total for this spot with how many possessions you're going to get and the way that both of these offenses come into this game. So I want to giving out the over and with regards to the spread, I may call Colorado more around a one and a half point favorite. So here are two and a half. I wouldn't want the money line, but looking at the points with Washington. Yeah, like you said, two and a half is what we're seeing for the Buffaloes right now in that total at 136. So, again, Greg's thinking there's going to be a decent amount of points scored in this game for that late night action. And then another late night game, Greg, that we can look forward to in the Pac-12. How about the Trojans? Minus 10 and a half against Stanford. This total at 140 and a half. I know the last time we were talking about USC, you were you know, throwing out how much free throw woes they have. And that certainly could be a trust issue with betting them now and in when it comes March time. And look, with a high spread too, when they're getting fouled late at the games, is that a concern to you with a team that has that many struggles? It absolutely is. And this is a Stanford team that really ever since late December when they wound up having that event in Hawaii, this is a team that they've been shooting in the high 30s from three-point range as well. It's Stanford team that was able to knock them off a few weeks ago in Palo Alto, they were, though they were at home. That was a game that did not wind up having fans involved. So Stanford was able to win that game on a semi-neutral court. And I take a look at this spot, to your point, with USC. They rank in the bottom 20 in all of college basketball. The guards of free throw shooting right around 61, 62%. It was very simple for me. Double digits was willing to take the points with Stanford, mostly 10 and a half to 11 out there. So I'm riding with that. And I do take a look at the under as well. USC, a top 25 team in the country when it comes to points allowed on a per possession basis. Neither of these teams are Blazers. Both are outside the top 50 or top 150 with regards to possessions per game. So I'm looking at Stanford in the spot. I think that USC, after they won losing the first time around, they'll get revenge. But I don't think they get revenge to the tune of double digits. All right, Greg, let's switch over to the Big Ten in our neck of the woods, and let's talk Ohio State and Minnesota on the road. The Buckeyes laying five in this matchup. A shorter total here, 134.5. Juice a little bit on the over, minus 113. What do you thinking goes down in this Big Ten showdown? I think that you're going to see Ohio State be able to get the W in this spot. I wound up saying them more around a seven-point favorite. With Minnesota, they've been dealing with a lot of injury woes. They wound up missing a bunch of guys in that game against Rutgers. Now, the good news is they do have some pieces back. EJ Stevens, it looks like he's going to be good to go in this game. I know they've got a couple game time decisions with guys like Jamison Battle and company. So they're able to get a couple of those pieces back. But even the guys that are coming back from Minnesota, you've got to question how close to 100% they're going to be. And this is a Minnesota team that out of 358 D1 teams, with regards to the percentage of their misses that they get an offensive rebound on, they're number 358. That is a big concern. Now, Minnesota, they always play better at the barn than they do on the road. But this is an Ohio State team that's going to be able to bludgeon them down low. E.J. Liddell is a guy that's able to give you 19 points, 7 boards, 3 blocks. She's nearly 40% from 3-point range. Michi Brown should be back in the fold for Ohio State as well. And when it comes to both of these teams, both of these teams rank outside the top 200 with regards to possessions per game. They're both relatively slow teams. So take a look at this total. 
I think that it's set a little bit too lofty. I set my total in the very low 130s. So I'm taking a look at an under in the spot, and I was willing to lay more around a seven here with with Ohio State. All right, Greg, then the big one in the Big Ten tonight, 8 p.m. Central time tip-off, Iowa hosting Purdue. The Boilermakers down to a two-point favorite. Total a high one here, 154 if you're more interested in the money line, minus a buck 32 with Purdue, plus 112 on the buyback with the Hawkeyes. Who do you think claims the dub at the end of this game? Now, this is a rematch of something that we wound up seeing earlier this year, a game in which Keegan Murray did not wind up playing in. Iowa was able to get the cover on the road by kind of 77 to 70, but the only reason why they were able to get the cover is that they were down double digits, and then all of a sudden Purdue was turning the ball over left and right. I do not foresee another case in which Purdue winds up having a lackluster effort like they did the first time around where they did wind up having 17 turnovers. That game was 77 to 70, and I fully expect the three-point shooting to be on in this game. Purdue is going to have Jaden Ivey back, a guy that has been leading the team in scoring, shooting 40% from distance. Now Purdue, a little bit of a different team away from Mackey. That has always been the case with Matt Painter teams, but I was comfortable laying up to a four-and-a-half here with Purdue, so whether you've got a two, two-and-a-half, I'd be looking to lay it here. And I do think that this is a game that is going to involve some late game following. Iowa has been very good at the free throw line. And Iowa, to their credit, they rank in the top five in college basketball in terms of possessions without a turnover. So they do a good job of being able to give themselves a good effort of being able to put the ball in the basket. Only shoot about 34% from three, but they are a little bit better at Carver Hawkeye Arena. I look at this total and I like the over set it at a 162 and a half. And I'm going to lay up to four and a half here with Purdue. I think that with the combination of, of what you've got with Dravion Williams along with Zach Eady giving you 16 rebounds per game, even with Keegan Murray back for Iowa, it's not going to be enough. I like it. All right. We're looking toward the direction of Purdue and this total going over. He made it over 160, and right now it's at 154 and would lay up to about four, four and a half with Purdue. Currently a two-point favorite on the road against Iowa. And, Greg, while we're on the subject of Purdue, now Purdue is a team that is clearly very dominant. A lot of people touting them as being one of the top teams in the nation. But what do you view as the ceiling for this team? Of course, they can make a Final Four run, but could this also be a team where it's almost smoke and mirrors in the sense that, you know, they can dominate during regular season play and throughout conference, but then when it comes to some of those big boys in other conferences, you'll really see what kind of squad they are? I think that they could have a couple letdowns towards back half of Big Ten season, but what I do like about this Purdue team is that they've got so much rebounding down low that it makes it very difficult for a mid-major to be able to knock them off in one of the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament because, as we know, three-point shooting, that could sometimes go into a rut. Sometimes you just don't necessarily have your A game. You sometimes have bad matchups. There aren't too many mid-major teams that could defend seven-foot-four Zach Eady. That is something that they've got in their back pocket. This is a team that they do a nice job of not relying upon too many turnovers to create their offense as well. They do a good job in the half court. So this is a Purdue team that what I like about them is that, yeah, they could wind up losing to maybe a team like a Wisconsin, like we wound up seeing earlier this year, but they do a good job of being able to make sure that they don't fall prey to one of these like 14, 15 seeds in the NCAA tournament. So that is one thing about Purdue. They've got a high floor. Awesome. All right, Greg. Well, we are up against it. Thank you for making some time. And uh, go ahead and sweat out the remainder of that Huskers game right now against the Badgers. Good luck, my friend, and thanks again. Always a pleasure, Danny. Thank you.
at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter, where you can follow him. He posts the pictures of his predetermined handicap lines with all of his analysis for every single game. He bets on all of them, and he's the best in the biz at GUnit underscore 81. Big thanks to Greg. Big thanks to Ryan Rothstein. Big thanks to Ryan O'Halloran. Big Ryan show tonight, but it was a fun one at that, looking into the depths of the NFL championship weekend, some of those coaching carousels, and then getting some plays for this weekend. And I know we tease it a little bit with some of those first-half plays for the Bengals and the Chiefs. If I do end up officially pulling the trigger, you know I'll discuss it on tomorrow's show, where we'll not only talk about our best bets, but we'll also look into the realm of the props. It is a Friday, so we always love doing prop shelves so looking forward to that more nba action and nhl look ahead as well so pump for tomorrow we will see you then until then take care and best of luck with all your plays folks at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.